Rob Bell correctly points out that Holy Scripture is very much a communal affair. He says that early in the Judeo-Christian tradition, the norm was that people heard and encountered Holy Scripture read aloud in a group. People didn't have individual copies of their own, generally. It was before the printing press. And of course, it was before the Gideons had put a copy of the King James Version in every hotel room. <laughs> you couldn't snatch one that way. Bell says that, quote, perhaps this is why the Bible can be confusing for some the first time they read it. He says, I don't think any of the writers of the Bible ever intended people to read these letters alone. I think they assumed that people who were hearing these words for the first time would be sitting next to someone who was further on her spiritual journey, someone who was more in tune with what the writer was trying to say. If it didn't make sense, you could stop the person who was reading and say, help me understand this. Something almost exactly like that is going on in the passage we heard from Acts. Just prior to this reading, Philip, who was a great deacon, preacher, and evangelist, had achieved great success in Samaria. He preached, he cast out demons, baptized and healed the lame. I wish I could put that on my resume. <laughs> but before he could really settle down and enjoy any of that and get comfortable, God, of course, sends an angel to tell him he was to head out toward Gaza, down this really rough wilderness trail. I can imagine Philip obediently heading down this trail into the boonies, wondering as he walks what kind of new adventure that God was leading him into. He's out here in the middle of nowhere, and then he comes upon a rather exotic scene. Here is this royal Ethiopian chariot, and in the chariot is a eunuch who is in charge of the treasury in his country. The eunuch had been to Israel, or to Jerusalem in Israel, to worship traveled all the way from Ethiopia to seek out God. What a pilgrimage. Now, the thing to understand about eunuchs, if the younger people have any questions about that, <laughs> Father Chuck will be taking questions immediately <laughs> after the service. But what you should know about eunuchs is that Generally, you didn't volunteer for eunuch duty. <laughs> it's not like they walked into a room full of prepubescent boys and they're all screaming, pick me, pick me, I want to be a eunuch. 
You didn't volunteer, you got drafted. For many, it meant a higher station in life. And although some of them, like this Ethiopian eunuch, had a position of power, at least he did in his own country, at the same time, even with all that power that he had, eunuchs were considered outcast and unclean ritually. The book of Deuteronomy even required that they be excluded from the temple worship. Once again, it was the old who's in, who's out game that we humans, particularly us religious types, seem destined to play. As Philip came near, he realized to his surprise that the eunuch was reading from his own personal copy of Scripture. And the Spirit of God came upon Philip and worshiped in his, whispered in his ear, told Philip to go right over to the chariot, which he did. And in fact, Philip recognizes the passage that the eunuch is reading. It's from the book of Isaiah. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? He then invites Philip to join him in the chariot, and together they look at this specific passage that he had been reading. It is like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip if the passage is about the prophet who had written it or about someone else. I can't help but wonder maybe the eunuch even considered himself as the sheep being an outcast from the religious community. Am I the sheep led to slaughter? Denied justice in his humiliation? And Philip, of course, answers that this passage is not about the prophet. This passage, Philip says, is about Jesus the Christ. And then he goes on to share the good news. And apparently, the eunuch began to experience some hope. Hope that maybe this new understanding of God would include him, that he wouldn't be turned away from the door. Here was a God, Jesus Christ, who had experienced the humiliation of justice denied, just as he had. And so the eunuch decides to put it to the test. They were approaching a body of water. So the eunuch says, then if this is all true, this good news of Jesus, then can I not also be baptized? And Philip, the hitchhiker deacon, 
without any baptismal preparation or examination or anything else, right there baptizes this foreigner, this eunuch, who even with his wealth and power had probably been barred from the temple. But Philip baptizes him on the spot and welcomes him into the family of God. What a scandal. Oh my, shouldn't he have written a letter to Peter back in Jerusalem or, you know, called the diocesan office and asked the bishop for special exceptional permission? No, he just baptized him. Every day of every week, just beyond the doors of this church, God, the Holy Spirit, is working in people's lives. People who are hungry, who are seeking a safe place to ask hard questions about what it all means. People who feel that they have been banned from the temple, excluded from the church. People who walk by and I'm sure they hear our glorious music and they wonder, is this a place where I will be welcomed? Even though I'm not sure if I even believe in God or anything else. Is it a safe place where I can ask hard questions like, if there is a God, then why do the innocent suffer? Well, folks, our mission as the church is not to give those people the correct answers. It's not to prescribe the latest pop psychology for living a successful life, whatever that is. Our mission as the church is simply to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is already doing to kick those two red doors open and offer a radical hospitality as we invite people into our midst where they can gather together with us and struggle and wrestle with the daily challenges of life, searching for what God is saying to us right now. Amen.